0: I want to continue on the theme that um, we have been ministering on for some time. As you well aware, I have been on a journey personally for the last three to four months on a journey of discovery, on a journey of seeking afresh the mind of God, the heart of God. And this was due to a verse of scripture that the Lord used to arrest my heart and to challenge my spirit concerning uh, seeking the Lord and pressing into God's presence. The portion of scripture that really touched my heart was taken from Exodus chapter 33, where Moses on the top of the mountain, having a private conversation with the Lord, intimate moments, he utters a cry that arose from his heart, Lord, show me your glory. And even though Moses has seen so much of God's glory and God's power demonstrated in his life, yet this man continued to hunger and continued to thirst for more of God. And one of the prerequisites that we have discussed last week of receiving a greater revelation from the Lord and of the Lord's goodness and glory and power is that there has to be a divine hunger and a longing within our soul for more of God. The scripture says that the Lord satisfieth the longing soul and fills with his goodness the hungry heart. Jesus himself said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So God honors our hunger. He honors our thirst for spiritual things and for the demonstration of His glory and power in our daily lives. Today I want to speak about another prerequisite for seeing the manifestation of God's glory and it is found in the gospel according to saint john chapter 11 i'm not um, i don't know the verse off by heart but it is there where jesus said to martha did i not tell you that if you would believe you would see the glory of god so there has to come real genuine believing from our heart before we see the glory, the manifestation of God's goodness and power in our lives. And this is the law of the New Testament. It is according to our faith that God will work in our lives. But today, particularly, I want to speak about one of the greatest enemies of our faith. And this has brought a measure of confusion by and large in the body of Christ because many think they are in faith and they believe in God when in reality all they have is mental assent rather than genuine, real Bible faith. What That is why I said that this is one of the greatest enemies of faith because mental assent sounds like faith, looks like faith, but it is not real, genuine Bible faith. Mental ascent means that one intellectually agrees with the Word of God and shouts Amen and Hallelujah to all the promises of God, but it does not act on the Word of God. The action is missing from it. And people who operate in mental ascent, they hear the Word of God or they read the Word of God and because they know what it says in their head, they think they believe it. But when the pressure comes, they don't act on it. Let me give you an example. Believers who mentally agree with God's Word they may say, I believe the Bible from cover to cover and I believe according to the word of God that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus because the Bible says so. But when sickness comes and attacks their body, they stop saying, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus and they start saying, Yes, the Bible does say I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus but I am sick. And they give in to their symptoms. In other words, when the pressure comes to test their faith, they give in to the pressure rather than maintaining their stand, their confession, and their action on the Word of God. Real Bible faith according to the word of God, believes what the word of God says, even though our eyes and our feelings say something different. Faith doesn't care what the symptoms are, because faith, the kind of faith that we are speaking about, the God kind of faith, looks to the word of God alone. It doesn't care how the circumstances look. It is not moved by what the the bank manager says. It is not moved by the words of the doctor. It is not moved by the lawyer's words. It is only moved by the promises of God. You see, the God kind of faith will change the symptoms. It will change the bank. It will bring the money to get the bills paid. And Bible faith will turn every form of defeat into victory. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 says, Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You see, faith, it's God's formula for success. But you have to give that faith an opportunity to work in your life. Now, you may ask the question, how do we do that? Well, it's simple. You have to stay with the promise of God until the promise of God stays in you. In other words, the word that you say you believe must become bigger on the inside of you than the circumstances on the outside. You have to stay with the word until what you know in your head drops down into your heart or your spirit and head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. Jesus spoke of a class of people He said when they hear the word of God immediately they receive it with gladness but they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward he said when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they stumble and they fall. That's found in Mark's Gospel chapter 4 verse 16 and 17. Jesus said that tribulation or persecution will arise because of the word's sake. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, Jesus spoke of a class of people who hear the word of God, they delight in hearing it, they receive it with gladness when they hear that word, they agree with it but they have no root in themselves in other words they haven't given the word enough time they haven't worked with the word studied or meditated the word enough for that word to take root deep down in their spirits and so he said because they have no root in themselves They endure only for a time. But when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. They get offended. They say, it doesn't work for me. I've tried this faith stuff, but it just doesn't work for me. And many of us are in that category of people where we know what the word of God says in our heads. But it does not work for us yet. It does not bear fruit. Well, in other words, you see, Jesus said, I have learned this from experience. If I am exercising my faith in a certain area of my life, say, for instance, if I'm believing God for healing, that's where the devil is going to attack me. If I'm believing God for finances, I can be sure that that is where the enemy will attack me in order to steal that word from my heart. And I have a choice whether to give in to pressure or persevere and continue to confess and act on that word until final victory. So, how does the word take root in us. How does this head knowledge become heart knowledge? You see, head knowledge cannot produce. All it does is you know what the Word of God says, but you lack the power or the ability to act upon that Word. So, I'm going to share with you how the Word of God or the promises of God take root in our spirits joshua chapter 1 verse 8 tells us how that's done as well as proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 through to 22 we're going to read both those verses of scripture joshua 1 8 i'm sure you are familiar with this verse of scripture joshua chapter 1 verse 8 god spoke to joshua and instructing him, saying that this word of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, God says you are to continually speak my word. You speak it out loud, your ears must hear it. The word of the Lord must not depart out of your mouth, but... Therein you will meditate day and night. Not only you are to speak the word, but you are to meditate in it. Meditate means to ponder and think about it, to imagine the word, to see yourself the way God sees you. When God looks at you, he does not see you sick. He does not see you defeated. He does not see you broke. He does not see you depressed, oppressed. He sees you free, redeemed, delivered from the power of darkness. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So you speak that promise rather than what you feel or what you see or what the doctor says or what your bank statement says. You speak the word and not what is seen or felt. Second, you meditate in it. You meditate on that promise until the promise becomes part of you. And then, he says, then you will, you will observe to do according to all that is written therein. When you speak the word, meditate the word, through meditation comes the ability to see how to act on that word. You practice it. You do what it says. And then, he says, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through to 22 tells us the same thing. God says, my son, give attention to my words. That means you are to attend to what God says. Not what people say. Not what your feelings tell you. But what the word of God tells you. Attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. We've got to learn to hear what God is saying. And when you read the word, God is speaking to you. When you pray, you're speaking to God. Do not let them depart from your eyes. See, that's vision. Seeing what God sees. Seeing the promise of God being fulfilled in your life. Use your imagination. God gave us the imagination to use it for good, not for evil. See yourself with the promise of God. Imagine yourself with the promise of God. That seeing by faith. Then he says, keep them, that is the word, in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all of the flesh. That's how the word drops from the head down into the heart or the spirit. Because the Bible says that real Bible faith is of the heart, of the spirit. For with the heart man believes, not with the head. Just because you know what the word says in your head, that doesn't mean you believe it in your heart. When you believe it in your heart, it becomes real. It becomes revelation to you. Well, how do I know whether the word is in my head or in my heart? Simple. Is the word working for you? If it's not, that means it's still in your head. It hasn't dropped down into your spirit. It has not become revelation knowledge. And for some of us, it may take a long time. It may take, for some may take a week, a month, a year, others five, ten years. It all depends on a person, on his upbringing, of of what sometimes we have to unlearn before we learn. And so it will take time. Someone said the longest journey is from our head to our heart. So we must determine in our heart to believe the word of God from our heart and to speak that word out of our mouth and say nothing contrary to the promise of God. And believe me, it's not easy. When symptoms strike your body and you feel pain, the first thing you want to do is run and tell somebody how sick you are. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you've got to resist that temptation and instead of confessing your feelings, confess the word and resist that which you feel. Because the word coming out of your mouth, if it's believed from the heart, it will change how you feel. James says that faith without works or corresponding action is dead. He says, we must become doers of the word and not just hearers only. So that's how the word drops from the head to the heart when we confess it, when we meditate on it, and when we put it into practice. Not by just merely hearing it. I believe we are far be- we are we are educated beyond the level of our obedience. In other words, we know far too much of God's word in our head, but very little has dropped down into our hearts where it has become uh, life and and victory in our lives. John Wesley once said that people mentally agree with the Bible, that, that it is true but they don't really believe it in the heart. And as I've mentioned, in the book of Romans 10 and verse 10, it says, For with the heart one believes. Now the heart is your spirit. When the Bible speaks of the heart of man, it's speaking of the spirit of man. Your spirit is the man on the inside. That is where faith resides, because faith is a spiritual force not a mental force. We must believe the word with our heart and not just with our minds. And head knowledge, as I've mentioned, must become heart knowledge before the word works in our lives. Well, I asked that before, I'm going to ask it again. How do you know if you are believing with your head and not your heart? One simple way, as I've mentioned, check and see whether that word is working for you. Is it producing? If it's not producing, that means it's not in your heart yet. Another way to find out is Matthew 12:34, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Faith in the heart is always expressed and revealed by words and actions. Faith is like love. Love is revealed by word and by action. Faith is also revealed by word and action. So check and see what is coming out your mouth. You want to know what you really believe? When the pressure is on, stop and listen to yourself. And listen to the words that come out of your mouth. If there is anger in there, it's going to come out your mouth. If there is bitterness in there, it's going to come out your mouth. If there is unforgiveness in there, it's going to come out your mouth. Amen? Are your words centered around the problem? Do you speak the problem? Do you speak what the circumstances say? Do you speak how you feel? Or are you speaking the promises of God? Are you talking lack yet you saying you're believing that god will supply all your need are you saying well we don't know how to make it we don't know how we're going to make it this month oh no we can't afford that that's beyond our budget or whatever what are we speaking or are we saying my god shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Check and evaluate your actions also. Are you saying one thing and you're doing another? Your actions communicate a message of faith or a message of unbelief. And a perfect example of this is recorded in Mark's Gospel because faith can be seen in our actions. Let's look at together Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, and we're going to read verse three, four, and five. Now here is a, is four men bringing a paralytic to the Lord Jesus, trying to get into the house to bring the paralyzed man before the Lord because they believed that God could, that the Lord could heal him. And they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, and when they could not come near him. Because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your your sins are forgiven you. What did Jesus see? And he saw the faith. He saw the determination. He saw them climbing up, up the roof, breaking down the ceiling and lowering their friend down before the Lord. And that was faith. So faith can be seen by our actions. You cannot say you believe one thing and yet act another. If you believe you are healed, what are you doing in bed? Get up. Amen? So, according to the word of God, in 1 John 5 and verse 4, the word says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Listen, there is nothing the world can throw at us, the devil can throw at you, that your God-given faith cannot overcome. Our faith is the conquering power that brings the world to its knees. We can bring sickness, disease, lack, poverty, relationship problems, wherever the circumstances are. The Word of God says, Our faith is the conquering power to bring it to its knees. That is God's Word. This is the victory that overcomes the world our faith. Not head knowledge, heart knowledge. Not mental assent, but Bible faith. So, as I've explained, what is mental assent? Mental ascent means intellectually you agree and you accept the word of God as true, you admire it, you agree with it, you shout amen to it, but not allowing it to have an impact on you so that it doesn't do any good in your life. That's the difference. So in essence, mental ascent agrees with God, but does not believe in God. The mental assenter affirms that the Bible came from God, that it is God's revelation, and that every word of it is true, but when crisis comes, all of that so-called believing disappears. And the mental ascender is at the mercy of the crisis. You get the difference. Amen. Amen one might mentally affirm the promise all of us know this promise God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus but he still worries and he's still anxious about his financial situation so that's not real Bible faith that's mental ascent Amen are you with me so far I go over this again and again and again because I want you to get it. A person who mentally assents to God's word says, "Lord, what you say is wonderful and it's true. And he leaves it at that. I can imagine God saying thank you. Thank you. Now will you please act on it? Will you please do it? Will you please put it into practice? Amen? So, our churches are full, all of us, at one time or another. They are full of people who know what the Word of God says. I believe we don't need more teaching. We have enough teaching. What we need to do is go out and practice what we know. I mean, if we could just practice the little that we know, things would be wonderful we would see the glory of God, we would see the manifestation of God's power if we would just take our authority in the name of Jesus and exercise it. So, the true believer, according to the Word, is one who does the Word and not merely hears the Word. James chapter 1, verse 23. And that believer who does the Word is the one who builds on the rock while the mental ascender hears the word, does not do it, and Jesus said that person is building on sand. So the only way God's promises will become a reality in our lives where they work for us is to act on them. You got the message? Should I go on and give you more examples? I'll give you one more. Thomas had such sense knowledge when he said, unless I see, unless I feel, I will not believe. And Jesus called that what? Faithless. That means that head knowledge or sense knowledge and faith are not compatible. Because the word says, faith is the substance of things that your sense knowledge cannot see. Hebrews 11.1 Sense knowledge, I believe, is the biggest obstacle to faith because in many cultures, including our own, we are trained and conditioned to live by our five physical senses. In other words, unless we see it, we will not believe it. Unless we feel it, we will not believe it. That is not Bible faith. That's natural faith. That's sense knowledge. Amen? Notice what the Bible says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Note that this verse does not say that faith is the evidence of things that do not exist. It says the evidence of things not seen, not the evidence of things that do not exist. Faith is the evidence of the things you cannot see. That is why we use faith. If you can see it, you don't need faith. you got sight. If you can feel it, you don't need faith because you're you feeling it. Amen? So praise God. And I believe that if we live by any other means than faith, we will be depressed, we will be fearful and always anxious. We will live in frustration because we will try to figure out how things are going to work, how God is going to meet our needs, and so on and so forth. Praise God. That is one of the greatest enemies to the real Bible faith. It's what we call mentally ascending and agreeing with the Word, but yet lack the ability to act on what it says. Amen? The difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. So ask yourself, in any area that you say you believe in God, is that word that you believe in working in your life? Is it producing results? If it's not, then all you have is head knowledge and not heart knowledge. And the way we get the word from our head to our heart, I've explained it how. We speak it, we meditate on it, and we practice it. When you speak the word, meditate on the word, and put it into practice, sooner or later it's going to drop from here to there, and then it will work for you. So my my counsel to all of us is, Stay with the word until the word stays in you. Stay with the word until that promise works in your life. If you're struggling with fear, find verses that God promises you victory over fear. Stay with those verses. Stay with those promises. Meditate on them. Learn the word off by heart. Confess it. You may have to confess it 100 times a day. Do so. But I guarantee you, if you will give the word time and you will stay with the word, there will come a time when that word will take root in you and no one can shift you or move you. Fear will no longer have dominion over you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message.